0: hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the anglers happy hour podcast in today's show we talk about nick's new job as a plumber different types of line and hooks for flipping and we finish with a winter spoon fishing 101 we dive deep in different types of spoons when to use them how to use them how to find fish with that style of fishing um, hope you guys enjoy the show and uh, we appreciate you all listening all right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. We're still alive. Um, it's been about two weeks since we last talked to you, but we're all still here. We've had a couple people reach out and be like, where the heck are you guys? But, um, you know, again, hey, that's uh, that's my bad. I've been pretty busy and uh, I've had trouble kind of getting everyone together and setting up a podcast. So the three of us were up early. Um we figured we'd just jump on and do some catch-up, answer some uh, Q&A questions, and and we have a couple cool topics, too. So, um, hope everyone's been well since we last chatted, and uh, as we usually do, let's go around and see what's up with the guys. Rob, I know you got a kind of a busy uh, weekend coming up, man, but what's what's up your way right now?
1: Uh, Just getting ready to do one last trip to the grocery store and uh, hook up the Polaris Ranger, and we're out hunting for the for the rest of the, you know, or through the weekend and into the week a little bit. So looking this, forward to it.
2: This the elk hunt continuation. This is 2021?
1: a No, this is the coos whitetail hunt. So oh. early November coos, coos whitetail hunt.
0: Um, okay. Are you guys camping, uh, staying in a, uh, house or what?
1: So we're going to do the wall tent. Ooh. Um, we're not going to bring the wood stove or anything. It's not cold enough for that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're going to rough it a little bit, I guess. But um, we'll have we'll have everything we need as far as cooking and all that stuff. No no backpack hunt here on this one, um, which makes it a little bit more. I don't. know. It, it's probably more challenging because you got to get more stuff ready, right? You got to set does up that a bigger mean, tent. No backpack hunt. Well, we're not going like we're not going. Deep into where everything oh, we you. camp with is on our back, which we'll probably do that as long as my knee holds up. We'll probably do that on my hunt, which is in late December. So,
2: so no to- backpack means you just prop the <clears throat> rifle over the side of the tailgate when you take a
1: shot. <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> oh but anyway, <laughs> no, but we're looking forward to it. it should be fun. Um, we found a good buck uh, last weekend, and hopefully, we can find him again. So. They, uh, this time of year, they usually stick around the same area, uh, as, especially as warm as it's been, uh, these deer are not moving a whole lot. So unless they, something, something scared it out of there, which, you know, a mountain lion or something like that, I guess could do that. But
2: Are they still on deer Tinder trying to, uh, lock things up for the next generation or what are deer doing in Arizona right now?
1: Uh, I don't think they get on Tinder until late November. Uh, okay, cause they, they start rutting usually late December um so I, i'm not exactly sure how tinder works but <laughs> i'm assuming maybe it's pretty immediate so maybe I, they get I think on it yeah i think it's fast yeah. oh okay so if it's, it's fast, not a lot of so planning like that, yeah not okay <laughs> so yeah so, so they just get just on tinder li- yeah around
2: christmas time so Ooh. get so, that yeah. eggnog flowing and next yeah. thing you know
0: Well, that's cool, dude. Hopefully it's a good hunt, man. Hopefully you get, uh, you know, what, what you guys are looking for now, uh, when you go do your grocery list, like what, uh, what kind of stuff are you bringing up there, man?
1: So I've already pre-made a bunch of stuff. I've like, I've made pulled pork in the crock pot. I've made, uh, uh, elk, elk chili. So it's got ground elk. It's got elk stew chunks in it. It's got a little sausage in it. Um, it's a Texas chili with no beans, um, more onions than you could shake a stick at, though, so that'll create some problems in the tent. I would imagine. Right. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> um, what else do we have? Uh, Please
2: tell me you're making your famous
1: spaghetti. The actually, I do can of spaghetti. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have my spaghetti sauce made already, and I'll do okay. the, the noodles up there. Um, good stuff. Yeah. So we we eat good. We're not going hungry. So the last time we did the wall tent. It might have not been the last time. Yeah, I think it was. So I did all my pre-cooking, had all my food and, you know, pretty normal food and some some sweets, but not much. Les shows up and he literally spent $350 at the grocery store on Etman donuts, uh, Hostess cakes. I mean, it was, I'm telling you, his wife's like, what did you spend? Does he eat like that normally? no. But like, so of course we're all just jacked up on, it was a mess. I guarantee I'll do the same thing this time. That's (laughs) hilarious. (laughs)
0: That's interesting, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You, you need that for the energy walking through the hills. Not
1: really, dude, because <laughs> then you bonk and feel like crap. Oh, I hear you. I'm I'm <laughs> joking. Especially I mean you <laughs> eat pretty
0: healthy on normally, dude. So normally. It's hilarious.
2: Yeah. You know, you know what Josh's secret is, Rob, on a on like day two of a tough tournament, you know, and he's right there. He's just trying to hang in there, trying to make that cut. You know what he reaches for when he starts to get a little tired? He gets a little Debbie and a Mountain Dew. And oh, he God. sits down and he 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 sugars up. He gets some corn syrup and yellow number forty. <laughs> and then he just stands up there. So and
1: he's solid him. for like thirty <laughs> minutes. And then he's laying on the front deck. <laughs> so funny.
0: Nick. So so the backstory there is Nick and I have a buddy uh back east, Alabama, and he is a sweet tooth. I mean, all this dude eats is sweets. That's it. That's it no vegetables Junk. if you, you go to subway with him he's gonna get white bread turkey and cheese mustard, mayo. And mayo. no vegetables he does not he has not put a vegetable in his body in 20 years and uh, he's eating candy all night every night but he was telling us a story about how he was out on the lake fishing a bfl and um he was starting to, it was so hot he was feeling lightheaded and he's telling us this story he's like so man i wasn't feeling well so i had to sit down have a a little debbie and a mountain dew (laughs) and uh got back up fired back out there and they and they were biting and uh we'll never forget it 10 years later
2: i I think all those hipsters in palo alto california when they talk about drinking green juices what they really mean is they have a mountain
1: dew it's the same (laughs) green juice yep that's awesome hilarious Uh, that's cool hey
0: dude we're stoked to hear about how it goes um
1: yeah, hopefully it goes well. We'll see. I mean, we're on limited time. Um, right on. How about you, Nick? What's up your way?
2: Gosh, we haven't talked in so long. I took a couple of notes of all the funny, nonsensical things that happened in my life, and I ran out of storage in the cloud. But uh, kind of the top things, Think you'd think this was funny. I did go fishing a couple of times. Um, I posted on our Instagram story about the carnage. My boat trailer chewed up and spit a tire out the side of my fender.
0: Not Luckily, a Hercules
2: tire. Ah, correct. Yeah, that was uh, if it was a Hercules tire, the build date on that was from like 1983. It was, it was definitely a crispy old tire. And you know, you almost had, I almost had a premonition on that. Sadly, my truck has developed what's affectionately known as the death wobble. And if you've ever had anything death wobble on you, it's enough to need new underwear like severely is it when you break or what nah just like it seems to be hitting a bump yep. the right bump and i had experienced my first death wobble coming home from roosevelt a couple weeks ago with my brother I and it. i thought i had shot a tire out of something so like i pulled over and you know i'm all like two-thirds asleep on the drive home and now i'm awake and i was confused because everything looked totally fine that led into the bartlett trip so I watched my mirror, like, like it was TV all the way home, just thinking something was going to happen. So when it spit a tire out, I was like, Oh, okay. Anyways, the best part of that story was is that it happened like a half of a mile before I got on the 101 freeway for afternoon rush hour traffic coming home. And so that was a blessing and it was the first tire I changed in that whole new setup with my truck and everything. So that's when you find out it's like, is your Jack capable of this? Do you have the lug Da, 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 da. So everything went fine had a nice day on the water, uh, caught next to nothing, but I got to take out a new buddy of mine who uh, he's. I met him through the pool and landscaping world, and uh, he was at my house. He saw my boat. He's like, dude, do you like to fish? I was like, well, I like to, but I'm pretty poor at it. He was like, well, my son and I love to fish, and we have caught literally like three fish in the last five years of trying. And I was like, then I'll take you fishing because it sounds like your expectations. <laughs> will match my
0: abilities.
2: (laughs) We might be able to catch five in a month if we go six times so we can hang out. But uh, we snuck up to Bartlett and didn't have a great day. Um, But eventually we kind of dialed it in and uh, caught a couple of little swim bait fish and then some some drop shot fish. And, you know, we were laughing a while back because there's been some rumblings about fish spawning in the fall. And we all kind of chuckled at it. I'll be damned, dude. I caught a little buck and he peed all over my boat. So figure that one out. I'm not saying he was on a bed. I don't know where he came from, but he peed all over the boat. So maybe he just had a lot of coffee that morning. I don't know.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I'm not even going to comment on that.
2: I thought it it was funny because we were joking about that. it It was almost like, you know, fish God. Was like, oh, you want to joke about things that you knew nothing about? Here you I go. I will say,
0: dude, I mean, is there any anything worse than catching one and having it crapping all over your boat, bro? And, uh, and it's always a little one. You're never going to get a big one to do that. But you'll catch, like, every once in a while, I'll catch a 12 inch or especially smallmouth when they're eating crawfish. And, dude, you won't notice. And you look down and it's on your shoes. It's on your <laughs> shirt. Oh, yeah. And, uh, dude, it is nasty.
2: Yeah. That's the truth for sure. That's kind of like when they spit up a bait, uh, some bait in your live. Well, if you don't notice it and then you hot box that for like two weeks in your garage. That's nice too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's but, cool. Yeah. I so what's really funny. That story took a, a direction I didn't want it to, but so my middle son has had a loose tooth forever and he's like, so, you know, kids get so excited when they have a loose tooth cause they're going to like lose a tooth and tell their friends and get money and blah, blah, blah. So a couple nights ago, um, I was brushing his teeth and I was like, this thing needs to come out. You could tell that it was just like Bon Jovi. It was living on a prayer. So it was time to yank this thing out. And so I got this thing out and you know, they bleed like a stuck hog and there's blood everywhere. And Oof. he's all excited. Like, Oh, my tooth's out. And my two year old's like a little parrot. So he follows him around saying everything that William does. And he's like, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> my two year old when he realized that there was a tooth in my hand that had came out of his brother's mouth he like his eyes got like as big as saucers and his mouth open and he kept staring at it and then like trying to figure it out so it's pretty funny so he's like all right dude let me go rinse this thing off and then you can have it put it in a bag and do the whole under your pillow routine dude i went into the bathroom and turned the faucet on and it washed out of my hand and went down the drain no it <laughs> <No>. didn't <dude. laughs> so he's like trying to put a face on like he didn't care but like 45 seconds later dude my son's just like crying bawling and like so sad it's the most random thing i've ever heard
1: that's like a hundred dollar tooth in your neighborhood though isn't it
2: oh at least that's yeah. like a down payment <laughs> so so I'm, I'm sitting here it's 8:45 at night the last thing we want to do is take a part under the sinking oh take the pee gosh. trap off to get it and i was trying to weigh it out i was like is this like meaningful enough that i have to do all of this or is it like rub some dirt in it toughen up and just move on with your life it's a life lesson and i've been pretty grouchy recently and i feel like i've probably been a little short with my kids so i was like you know i'm gonna double down i'm gonna do the good dad thing and hopefully no one can hear me as i record this in the garage because they shouldn't be awake yet anyways but so i'm in the garage and i'm getting my
0: uh, uh,
2: Oh, i'm drawing a blank my my uh, wrench my uh sliding wrench to take the stupid p-trap off i was gonna call it a crescent wrench but it's not that and my wife channel comes, locks channel locks thank you rob the real mechanic here and so my wife comes in the garage and by dumb random luck every time my daughter loses a tooth and i do the whole routine I take that stupid Ziploc bag of teeth and it's just in my closet, right? I just like wedge it in my underwear drawer and move on and never think to take them out. So I have like, like a forensic crime lab could come in here and do like dental records. If I ever whacked somebody and they had to ID the body. So she's like, don't you have a bunch of teeth in your underwear drawer? And my eyes got all big and I was like, Oh I do so we like run in there and like I'm going through all these teeth trying to find a bottom tooth to make it convincing because they don't have the same shape boom real had two to choose from so I take the channel locks in my hand and I wedge the other tooth in my pocket and then I'm like all right dude like I'm gonna take the sink apart I got this and I like go in the bathroom and I lock the door and I start like banging on the (laughs) p-trap with the wrenches and like clanking on things and turning the water on to make it sound convincing and then I'm like all right dude got it here you go And I hand it to him and he looks at it and it's got all this dried blood on it. And he's like, why is it all dirty? And I was like, well, it came from the drain. And then he bought it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Unreal. That's awesome.
0: Brilliant. Dude, what a move saving the teeth like that. That's great, man.
2: Unintentional. But I will tell you, anyone, and you especially, Josh, anyone listening who has little kids that wants to flush teeth down the drain, save the teeth because it's better than trying to fish through a pee trap and figure out if it's still there.
0: (laughs) <laughs> that's not unreal what a story
2: how much did he get for the tooth like rob said it's about right you know inflation is going crazy <laughs> the fed decided to taper so we're trying to deal with inflation so that was an 11
0: dollar tooth right on do you have to, does he have to report it
2: uh, well yeah yep so the threshold's 10 bucks in the irs so yep he's gonna owe him 93 cents yeah they're gonna be asking about that
0: in a few <laughs> years for sure dang so That's pretty,
2: cool. pretty silly, but it was funny. What have you been up to Josh?
0: Uh, quite a bit also here, man. I've, uh, you know, I fished that cup in, uh, you know, in between that last podcast we did now, and I can't really talk about how the fishing went, but, uh, had fun there. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, had a heck of a drive to and from, it was almost 30 hours each way. So, uh, burned up the road. I came home and, um, went to a wedding, went to James Elam's wedding, a nice little, you know, kind of a little vacation for Chintel and I, my parents watched the kids and, and uh, we flew to Tulsa, went to the wedding. It was, it was an awesome wedding. James did it at his house. Um, and you know, not really a ton of fishermen. I told you guys, it was kind of a nice break because, uh, you know, he's James keeps a uh, a small circle of fishermen and then most of his friends are outside of fishing, you know, family and friends so that it was nice. There were some fishermen there and got to talk fishing with with a few folks, but um, way less than like a normal get together. Like, I mean, my wedding was all fishermen. You guys were there and there was no one there that didn't fish. So uh, it was cool. He had a lot of work to do, you know, he and his wife having it at their house, but it turned out perfect, man. Um, and then you know, the highlight for me, my job was uh, to stir jambalaya for four hours. So, uh, we were having dinner, you know, before James had even set up his wedding and we were like, dude, when are you get, when are you going to get married? Like they'd been engaged and they didn't have a date. And we're like, when you do, dude, uh, Gerald, we're like, uh, Gerald's like, I'll, I'll cook, I'll cook. Cause James loves Gerald's Cajun food. So, uh, it came true you know he he uh decided to set a date and gerald cooked and when gerald volunteered to cook i volunteered to help which you guys know dude it's not much help but you know when you sit there and you make jambalaya for that many people you've got a huge pot so gerald had met had cooked for like up to 50 people before but there was like 130 here at this wedding so you need a special pot right i mean you need a big pot so he uh, shows up with this monster pot that he borrowed from a guy, uh, you know, that lives in the same town. He's like, this pot has won two national jambalaya championships before. Matt, I mean, this pot literally took took up almost the whole back of his truck, full-size truck. Wow. Um, you know, you you have to take it, disassemble it to get it in and out, because it's so heavy. It's cast iron. The thing would weigh, the thing weighs a couple hundred pounds. Uh, you know, it connects to propane. <laughs> But uh, 50 pounds of pork, oh. 20 pounds of sausage, 20 pounds of white rice, you know, and all the seasonings and stuff. And uh, it was nerve wracking. You know, I didn't want to, uh, Gerald wasn't really visibly nervous. But I was thinking like, if this gets screwed up, dude, $5 no hot $5 hot and ready's from Little Caesar, Let's we're go. screwed, man, you know, so and it was such a nice wedding. It was like, dude, they're putting a lot of faith in uh in us for this and Gerald was was you know just a total badass with it he you know he he nailed it he you know knew exactly what to do and um it took us a little over four hours and and really you're just stirring it the whole time. So if you're having to do that by yourself, you know it's not only is it tedious, you got a huge metal paddle that weighs probably twenty pounds and you're just you're working it the whole time. And that it uh, doesn't stick and burn. So yeah exactly exactly. But, uh, think about how boring it would be if you were just one person there for four hours doing that. So like a a big part of, of having multiple people there to stir is so no one gets sore or tired, but also just for company to just BS. So that, that jambalaya pot was, uh, was a fun place to be. And, um, of course we were smelling like sausage and onions after doing that for four hours, so we had to change and clean up and then, uh, had the ceremony. But, um, I was telling. Uh, telling you guys as well like if you ever you know if you ever have to cook for a lot of people everyone's gonna love it everyone absolutely loved the way it came out but it's pretty uh efficient way to do it too cost-wise like i mean that whole meal it only cost a few bucks a person which compared to a typical wedding you know what you're gonna spend for food it was uh it was the way to do it man i was impressed i i realized that i had done it way wrong at my wedding but at that time mm-hmm. i didn't know uh a badass cajun cook that would come out and do it for me so (laughs) that uh
2: that's pretty cool man you know i don't trying to think in my life i've definitely had jambalaya but i've never had one prepared by someone who's won championships with it so that'd be pretty exciting is there no seafood in it it's just pork sausage rice no seafood
0: yeah you can do it a bunch of ways but yeah i mean a safe call when you're cooking for that many folks um especially in the central part of the country, you know, not, Seafood you know, it's not the coastal, right? So like, yeah, it's seafood's a risk, you know, you uh-huh. got it, you can't do it too spicy and uh, it's uh, pork and, and sausages. It's hard to go wrong. Always going to work. So, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and also, also it's, it's cheaper. So I think oh. that was, that's probably the standard way to do it when you're cooking for a ton of people, but it was great, man. Yeah, it was great. Uh, and then at the end, I, I think I sent you guys a video of him uh popping the rice, but that's the highlight right there. You know, it's, you know, you're cooking it at a low steady temp the whole time, but they swear that you've got to pop the rice at the end (laughs) of the cooking process. So you dump a bunch of water in, you crank the heat up and dude, I mean, this stuff is bubbling and blowing up and going everywhere. But what it's doing, I guess, is it's heating that rice up enough to split every single grain of rice and, uh, if you look at it closely afterwards, the, the rice, they're all split right up the middle and it makes huh. them really fluffy. And it also has more surface area to take in the flavor of uh, all the juices and the seasonings and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I don't know uh, how easy that is to duplicate, you know, especially making a smaller portion, but it was, it was the the real deal. It was pretty fun.
2: And it has a cool name popping the rice Popping the think. rice.
0: It looks cool and it is cool for sure. That's going
2: to be my new slang term this week.
0: uh and then other than that you know i I had a guide trip yesterday up at roosevelt and um you know it was fair uh fishing was still a little spotty. had a really cool guy i took out and um you know we caught him just just fair you know it was a fair day of fall fishing definitely towards the end of the day got into a couple deals that had me that had me excited for the rest of the fall and the winter time there's just you know so many, so many fish in that lake right now that it's so fertile, so much bait. And uh, I think it's going to be a pretty fun fall and winter when they really start to gather up and group up, but there was still the water still 70 and we caught them on top water and we caught them on spoons and 50 feet. So, <laughs> uh, with that being said, there were also fish all throughout the water column. I, there was, you know, at one point we were, we were sitting there spooning at the end of the day and, uh, I watched on live scope a school of like 20 fish flying through the water column. They're 80 feet down, 70, 60, 50, you know, 40, 30, 20. And I'm like, drop your spoon, reel it in and drop. We drop, catch one. And uh, I watched the school 10 behind the boat, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. They were flying. And and I look back, I'm like, how are you supposed to consistently catch fish when (laughs) there are fish doing that? Like, I mean, they were in – in 20 feet of water over 50 <laughs> swimming as fast as a bass can swim <laughs> looking for bait
2: dude and then that fish gets caught and released and then he's like where'd my friends go <laughs> exactly. like how does he find him they're, gone. they're like
0: screw that <laughs> screw him we're, we're gonna keep moving man <laughs> but but like so there were some fish up shallow still and there are some fish starting to group up deep but they're just still everywhere you know so it's uh you know, it got into some areas where you could see the lake was visibly turning over and, and we talked about that before. Those were parts. Those were not the best areas that, you know, we, we got out of those areas pretty quick because we didn't catch them. We caught them better in areas that weren't weren't doing that. But go ahead, Nick.
2: You mentioned the water temp off the cuff. Is there a water temp where you think things kind of like consolidate and pushes them out deep? Where do you think here in Arizona that is? Is there is it like low 60s, high 50s? Is there a number that seems like, okay, now it's time to just target deep?
0: It probably is, but I don't have it. Yeah. You know, I don't really – you know, I just I just know that 70 is still oh. pretty dang warm for right now. No around the country, right? It should right? be low 60s, mid 60s right now for sure, and it'll mm-hmm. get there, but still been warm, man, and it's warm yeah. for the next week or so, you know, my yeah. like will- – that I had is going to go up and, uh, he's, he's getting into tournament fishing. He's got a tournament here in like a week and a half. I'm like, dude, it probably won't change much in the next week and a half, man. Uh, yeah. go ahead, Rob. What are you were going to say something?
1: I did a trip yesterday at Saguaro and the fish were fighting so hard. And I think it's just because it was, you know, that water temperatures that's just perfect for them. Like that 70 degree. They're just uh, in their
0: comfort zone, huh?
1: Yeah. And, and we caught them early. Um, no big ones, but we caught them pretty consistent early. And then, in the afternoon, we were on a steep bank. Uh, the boat was sitting in seventy foot of water, and you could see shad below the surface, visibly see them. And you look on the graph, and they're all <laughs> the way down to seventy foot. Good God! Like
0: the whole water column is just comfortable for a bass and a bait fish to be right now. They're correct. not pushed anywhere,
1: top to bottom
0: yeah (laughs) yeah, unbelievable it's i mean it's cool because you're probably gonna catch something you go out and catch something but like you know like we caught 15 and and dude i've had days this time of year where you catch 50 right and i mean yeah uh, especially at that lake and uh it's it's out there somewhere but they're they're only gonna get more and more grouped up and it's just been it's we're still in a transition when that transition started I mean that transition has been going for six weeks now so
1: yeah that's that's our I think that's our it's a positive but it's kind of a downfall out here is I, I sit and watch I follow a lot of guys in the midwest that are fishing and it's getting cold and they're fishing and they're fishing in their winter gear and yeah but they're catch they're catching absolute slobs back there like this is the only time of year they catch big ones and consistently catch you know a bunch of big ones
0: oh those, you're talking like minnesota type stuff
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah super yeah. cold weather yeah big fish like, huh yeah i mean seth fighter i mean that guy's caught a couple 30 pound bags recently i you know just seeing it on of largemouth. mouth of large mouth yes. yeah, that's stout. and those fish never show up there i mean in the summertime at least in numbers like yeah that, you're not so. gonna catch 30 pounds in the summertime right. mid-summer right. that's a good so, point dude so it's just, feed and it happens like, I mean, it. they'll probably be done next week. You know what I mean? Huh. Like, yeah, I'm not saying next week, but you know what I'm saying? It goes quick and the window closes. Quick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I what that does to... is it, it makes oh. it good, super good for a short period of time.
0: So that's cool. That's cool. I did. I was talking to Murray um, at that cup tournament, John Murray, and uh, you know, he had moved from here to Tennessee and uh, it's a little different Tennessee, obviously from where you're at, but they're on the downturn right now, you know, and he's like, man, this is the time of year I miss Arizona because you guys, it's only going to get better. The weather, the fishing, you got all winter to look forward to. And uh. he's like, it's the opposite here. He's like, we've already seen the best. Now it's going <laughs> to just start getting gray and the fishing's going to be tough.
2: And um, That's funny. When we were in Alabama too, everyone said that. We caught like the very last like week, 10 days of like 85 and sunny and like the sun had came out for the first time in weeks it's like this is the final hurrah (laughs) it's hilarious
0: hey speaking of your alabama trip and and we'll move on after this but uh i rarely remember dreams you know i I rarely remember my dreams but last night (laughs) i am on the boat fishing with nick and dustin cannell I, i it was it was i probably was like in my head thinking i gotta get up early for the podcast and the last we talked about this recently on the podcast when nick and dustin had gone fishing and uh they're blowing up all over the place just like i'm literally on on your trip basically that you did and we can't catch them and i specifically remember having a i'm like what are they eating and dustin's like (laughs) He he is like they're eating some type he had some crazy name of this bait fish that didn't really exist, you know. And it was like a little tiny brown bait fish like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I got these Ned rigs, you know. So so we tie on these Ned rigs with little tiny green grubs and we start throwing it into the uh into boils. the uh boils and start catching them, <laughs> and we're getting all excited, but Nick is being stubborn and throwing a topwater. And he gets the treble hook in his hand in the middle of all the action. And we have to stop and get this treble hook out of Nick's hand. And then I, I bl- woke up.
1: It's not like- even a far-fetched story. That's like pretty <laughs> spot on, I think. Oh, uh, I'm just
2: glad I can ruin your dreams too. That's it's good hilarious. to know that I could can, I can ruin reality for you. He Let was Debbie
0: Downer in the dream. got <laughs> treble hook. I, I can still see that treble hook in it. It was like right here in the meat of his hand like that. Um. Hilarious.
2: Oh, well, good. Glad to know that I'm in your thoughts.
0: Yeah, you you're sure we were in my dreams, man. <laughs> um, well, we do have a, a couple Q&As here, so we'll, uh, we'll dive into that. This first one is from our buddy, Travis. Um, he's wrote in before, um, braid to fluoro leader for flipping. You know, he does a lot of flipping where he lives up north. And uh, he's just curious if we ever flip with Braid to Leader. Uh, if so, why, and if not, why? Um, have you guys done much of it? I've done a little bit and I've got some buddies that do, but um, how about, let's start with you guys. Rob, have you, have you done much of it?
1: I have not, no. It's something I want to kind of get into a little bit, um, but I have not done it. No. Right on.
2: Go ahead, Nick. I, I'll answer a question with a question because I am the least reputable in technical advice in that scenario what would be the advantage of braid to fluoro versus flipping straight fluoro
0: so you see it a lot in grass fishing like really <laughs> when guys are flipping heavy grass um you'll see it um you know you get it's almost like it's it's like a spinning rod and it's not like a spinning rod you know the advantages of braid are no stretch so you're gonna okay. feel the bites a little bit better it's a little bit more sensitive the braid's very easy to handle on your reel. So okay. when you're flipping 20 or 25 pound fluorocarbon, okay. you can deal with it, but it's not the easiest thing on your reel to manage through the day. You know what I okay. mean? It's just, it's, it's- It's big. It's big and it's 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 a little more wiry than lighter lines. So we've been doing it forever and it's fine, but braid is just butter on your reel. So mm-hmm. that's an advantage. Um, you know, when you set the hook, the lack of stretch, you're going to, your hook's going to penetrate a little bit quicker and easier on those fish. Um, you know, but that there are the disadvantages to me. I mean, the biggest disadvantages are that the time it takes to, to tie that leader. If you're going to have a longer leader, that's up in your guides. That's an issue. Typically you're using such a short leader on that, that it's not in your guides. Um, and then if you retie, like, I mean, if you're, if you're, I would never do it fishing wood or, or at least bushes because you're retying so often. The juice isn't worth the squeeze to me as far as the amount of time that I'm going to be burning up having to not just retie my bait, but retie a leader, put a new bobber stop on, retie the bait. You know, if you're retying every other fish, it doesn't make sense. But if you're fishing mat and milfoil and it's soft, you know, and you only have to retie every 15 fish, 20 fish that you catch, you know, it, it, it makes more sense, right? It makes more sense to do it. So um, I would say it's a specific thing. Me personally, anytime I can get away with straight braid, I do it. But there are times when, you know, you might get a couple extra bites by using that leader. Um, one thing I would say too, is if you use like, say you, if you flip straight 20 pound fluorocarbon a lot, and you're going to try this, and you set the hook hard i would go with 25 pound leader you know just just upsize it a little bit because man say you know you set the hook really hard with a braided line and you got a three foot leader that uh that's a lot of impact and, and it'd be pretty easy to break off with a big fish you could literally break the 20 so i i would go heavy and use probably a, like a 25 pound leader honestly
2: that break at the knot for the
0: leader or would that break at the knot for the hook it could break, uh, either. either or in between. Honestly, I'm not okay. saying it will. Twenty is pretty strong, but it's. But you can. I mean, dude, there's. In that case, there's uh, the only reason that I don't ever flip with 25 pound straight floral is it would just be a beast to handle in the reel. But mm-hmm. if you could handle it in the reel, I would do it in a heartbeat because there's really you're not going to knock get a bite because it's 25 and not 20. Cool. So yeah, I mean, for the leader, it's going to be a short leader. Typically, you don't want that. Even if it's a uh, Alberto or not Alberto, what's the FG knot? You don't really want that knot in your guides. You know, cool. no matter what, it's a short leader. Flip it. Go ahead, Rob.
1: Will you fish uh, straight braid on trees and wood? Or, or yeah, sometimes.
0: One? Okay, so it it does that. I. I I used to be always a straight braid guy when I was doing that and then I started fishing back east a lot and the really true awesome flippers are pretty much straight floral guys in that scenario, man. They like the way that it doesn't make noise and vibration as you're, as you're fishing it through the limbs and stuff like that. In those shallow bushes, I've gone to straight floral, um, straight 20-pound triling floral, Um <laughs> But like deeper trees, like in Arizona, sometimes we'll flip those eight foot trees, six, eight foot trees and the woods really hard. And if you don't have braid in that case and you, know, you flip it in there, it sinks five feet. You guys have both done it. I've fished a ton of tournaments like this with Nick. And uh, you imagine your bait falls five feet, a fish takes it, turns his head and swims around a limb. You want braid in that case to, to get him up from that deep but fishing back East, you're flipping in 18 inches of water, two feet of water. And, uh, the fish just doesn't have so much time and so much stuff to get all mangled into. So I, I usually go straight fluoro in that case. Um, and you're getting really deep here with this, but like, if you are flip, if you do are using braid, if you can use a smoother braid, it's, I think it's a little bit better around wood, you know, it's not going to have that, that, um, zing, as you as you are fishing your bait through the limbs and stuff you know you're not going to feel it and hear it zinging over uh, over the limbs and stuff makes sense yeah but i mean again that's that's we got scientific and it's, deep yeah for sure Split you don't have to there. get that deep right. but if you yeah. can you can kind of fun to talk about though it's fun to yeah, go down those rabbit holes yep um, and on that same topic, we had another question. This is from our buddy uh, Gunner. He had sent this in a long time ago, and we had just had been saving it for the right conversation. But he asked about straight shanks versus EWGs on flipping and, and just what we liked. You know, everyone's got their own opinions on that. Um, but, um, you know, the EWGs kind of the old school way to do it. We all did it. When I started flipping, all you had was EWGs, really. And then the straight shanks got really popular maybe 12 years ago and now it's like seems like it's what everyone uses so you know rob you've seen the whole evolution dude what what are your I'm, thoughts on that
1: well you know me i'm still using lead and ewgs so did, did you put the spears down are you no longer spearing you've you released yeah i've actually yeah i've passed that a little bit <laughs> that's hilarious no i've i have, have you great, used the
0: straight shanks at all
1: a, a little bit i just have so much trust in the ewgs i just that's Yeah. Never had an, never had an issue with them.
0: So So that's a fair point, dude. But,
1: but I haven't, I haven't fished tournaments a lot since, you know, punching has been a big deal. And I think that's a different deal when you're punching a big heavyweight. And I think you need the straight shank, Snell tied, snelled and all that stuff. So, um, like I said, I've, you don't do a whole lot of that guiding. Um, and I just just haven't really dove yeah. into it a whole lot. So that's cool.
0: And I can't say I've got the data one way or the other. You know, I mean, I, I do feel like it just makes sense that you would hook more fish with the even with a smaller weight with the straight shank. Just the angle of the hook, the way that thing you know pops out when you tie a snail knot, a snell knot makes sense that you would hook more but there is you know with the ewg when you've got a fish hooked already solidly it's so tough to beat so tough to beat that so um and it it depends on the day too like i've had days flipping dude i've had days flipping a tube on an ewg where i've literally lost and missed 90 percent of my bites and uh i can't say i've had that happen ever with a straight shank but I'll have I've had days where I've caught ninety percent of my bites on that EWG also. So, I I'll, I pretty much at this point I'm straight shank across the board unless I'm flipping a tube, and you just can't do that with a a straight shank. You can't use a you know really no way to hook that tube other than just having your your uh, straight shank floating in the middle of the tube, the point, which that's you know, it doesn't make sense to do to me. So I still use like a four-odd EWG on tubes and then straight shank on everything else.
2: So on a straight shank, straight shank on like a creature bait or something like that, I'm trying to visualize why the tube, the hooks just float. Oh, it's because there's like two pieces of plastic that it has to penetrate through.
0: Exactly, it's not like yeah. nicely sitting in that piece of plastic. So you don't know when you set the hook, you don't know how easily it's went gonna come through that second piece. Where, okay. and it's the plastic's a lot harder with so on a tube you want to use that ewg so it's already through both pieces of plastic okay it's laying into into the outside of it
2: and on, on that straight shank do you punch it through on like a creature bait or do you let it just kind of be in the in it the just plastic, fits in the plastic.
0: Yeah. yeah yep and it's got a clear path out that plastic's a little softer for sure gotcha
2: okay because you know honestly i'm not very familiar with that either it's been I don't even have the really nice convenient excuse of guide clients. I just just suck at flipping and don't flip a bunch. So that's actually a great question for me to be taking notes over here on the side of Like, well, I do know how to tie a Snell knot, so I should play with that a little
0: bit. Yeah. And you can't tie a Snell with the, uh, with most EWGs because they don't have that welded tie. They don't Uh have the, uh, they don't have this, this, they, I mean, you do have some, some, uh, shank to tie it on i guess but you don't have a welded shut eye and uh, you uh, need a welded eye if you're going to tie that snell because you just have a sharp edge that that knot can get, cut, get cut on cut. so yep mm-hmm. yep i don't really know of any ewg hooks that even have a welded eye cool yep so yeah uh, good questions there and, and while we're technical we'll dive into our next uh, topic and that's spoon fishing we're we're getting into the cooler months, and I caught some fish fishing a spoon. Rob's making like a disgusted face at spoon <laughs> fishing. It's hilarious. I don't know if you're trying to or not. You just—I don't know if I just wasn't trying to, what. but it was
1: in my mind. How, Wait, yeah.
0: did
2: you just accuse Rob of having resting bitch face? <laughs> you just said Rob Dude, has RBF. RBF. I wish I could was
0: just <laughs> yes. taking a screenshot. We'll have to go back. It was hilarious right there. we'll have to find out what he truly thinks about spoon fishing here in a minute but we're just getting to that time of year we caught some fish doing it yesterday and it's it's gonna start getting really good so um i i don't know if we've ever talked about it much on the podcast before have we probably have i guess
2: i mean 73 episodes ago maybe it wasn't
0: recent if we did yeah yeah um but you know we'll we'll talk about the different types of spoons um just a quick spoon fishing 101 when do you fish each type and a couple little details so um different types of spoons you've got the big giant flutter spoons i mean the giant ones the eight inch spoons you've got the medium-sized flutter spoons you know the four or five inch And then jigging spoons and and there's some variations of jigging spoons like the regular old school hammer jigging spoons half ounce to one ounce and then a lot of people You know, it's used to be kind of a a secret out west the the ice jig type jigging spoons the jigging wraps and uh, You know that's kind of gotten much more popular around the country now. So those are kind of my favorites. Am I missing any?
1: I don't think so soup spoons
0: yeah. Yeah. Soup spoon. But.
1: My favorite is the, is the giant flutter spoon. Cause you can't, I mean, you get a bite on it. It's going to be monstrous no matter what. So. <laughs>
0: Seriously, dude, you're right. It's, you're the right. Trout, it's the trout swim bait of
2: spoons. Yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, yes. and you have to throw it on, on special tackle. A thing weighs two and a half ounces and it is the worst casting bait of all time. I mean, you cast this thing and the wind might take it, it might, it might go 30 feet out and 40 feet to the side of where you were trying to cast it. It's hilarious. It looks like me hitting a golf ball. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, those, those really, really giant Magnum spoons, they work all through the summer and the fall. We're kind of getting out of that a little bit. You could still catch them on it for sure. Um, But you know, there it's a gizzard shad imitation anywhere, anywhere you've got gizzard shad and you can fish them from. 15 feet all the way down to 50. I mean, they are so heavy that you can actually effectively fish them. I've caught them out here in the wintertime real deep on that. The uh, medium-sized spoons are also really versatile. You can throw them, you cast them under docks, you can cast them, uh, you know, to suspended fish. Now that, now that the forward-facing sonar is such a big thing, you know, it's, it's pretty cool that you can you can really it's a good way to target those deep suspended fish i was doing some of that yesterday and that's the actual spoon that we caught him on yesterday it was just a five inch uh flutter spoon and then the jigging spoons once you get into a deal where you can get vertically over the fish there's no better way than a, a straight jigging spoon that flutter spoon is not a good vertical straight up and down bait when you get straight up and down you want you want a a, a real jigging spoon and, and all these spoons you've got to As far as the gear and stuff, you you need to fish them all with a swivel, a good ball bearing swivel so they're not twisting your lineup like crazy. And, uh, you know, your rod, you're just going to match up, you know, that big one you're using like 20, 25 pound test fluorocarbon, uh, heavy rod with a long, butt, almost like a swim bait to cast it out that flutter spoon, I like, like a seven, six medium heavy, maybe 15 to 20 pound test fluorocarbon. And then the jigging spoon, if it's a big one, I throw it on a bait caster, but I really, those half ounce jigging spoons, I love a spinning rod because you can, and I got this from Matt Shura, but you can get over to these fish and just open the bail and you're not having to, you know, let out line with your with your hand on a bait caster to let it sink, uh, you know, 40, 50 feet, you just open the bail and that thing just sinks. So uh, are you guys spinning rod on on jigging spoons too?
1: I am a hundred percent with the the type of spoons that we use for guiding and I mean we'll use the ice jigs the Rapala ice jig a lot um, and you know both I think there's two sizes of those. there might be three, but the there's two small, three, but yeah, only the two smaller two. sizes yeah. um, and and then a, a gold or silver, but I really like the gold castmaster um, quarter ounce. So it's, I mean, it's light and small. Um, those things are super effective at, at Saguaro and um, some of the other lakes, but mainly Saguaro, I think the gold is because of the yellow bass. Um, but you'll catch a ton of yellow bass on it. And then you'll catch a, a five pound largemouth and a, you know, you can catch a 10 pound catfish on the darn thing, you know? So <laughs> it's just amazing when that deal goes, it's pretty fun. Um, and the problem is, is, when it doesn't, that's when I have that. What'd you call the face I had?
0: Resting bitch face.
1: Yes, that's when I have that. because You're dude, just sitting there
0: visualizing these guide trips when they're not biting. And your dude, clients are just back there going, uh.
1: Yeah, uh, they're like, really? I got to pull this uh, thing up one more time. <laughs> yeah. it's then, There's nothing worse.
2: Everyone's relying on your personality at that point to save the day.
1: and So we're screwed at that point. Then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, dude, I'll tell you, it has a guide. Yeah. It's such an unconventional way to bass fish. So yes. when you get a client that flies down from Canada oh. and they're used to throwing up on reeds and, and rock piles and, and fishing the docks and stuff like that. <laughs> and you're like, we're going to go out in 50 feet in the middle of the lake and vertically jig. And you go out <laughs> there and you do it for an hour and you haven't caught one. They're like, Hey dude, are we going to go up there and fish the grass on the bank or are we going to, you know, sit out here and do this stupid stuff all day? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I swear in- when the timing gets right, we're going to start catching them, you know, and it is how we <laughs> always catch them. And they're like, okay, dude, you know, this. Is
1: yeah. Because in Canada in, in July, yeah. they catch them in the grass. Exactly. Hun- hundreds yeah, of the them. Same thing.
0: But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, the deal, it's so, it's, it's a challenging thing as a guide, but it dude, is, it's when, when, it, when they do start biting, there's nothing like it and, and people will, it'll blow their mind how, how quick and and how good you can catch them. It's, I always compare it when there's a feeding frenzy going on down deep. It's no different than a boil on the surface. They're just going through tearing up shad. They're just in 30, 40, 50 feet instead of on the surface. And uh, it can be every drop. And, and sometimes it's not like that, but dude, I mean, I've, I can look back on a lot of days where you caught them on every drop for an hour straight and you put, 50 fish in the boat it's it's unbelievable it's so much fun yeah,
1: yeah it's worth it's worth the rest of the day not catching a fish and looking silly but the problem oh. is is when they don't bite throughout Ever. the entire time right? i know <laughs> but, yeah
0: yeah and that, and that it, is a possibility yeah yeah it's a hard thing to look for too uh you know sometimes you can graph around and find it you know your electronics are everything but there are sometimes too on, on and you know our legs are a little tricky at times but there's sometimes when you just have to run into it or let it happen. And, uh, you know, you just pay attention to your graph all day. And that's how we caught them yesterday was we were idling into a cove to throw topwater, and out at the mouth of the cove, we saw a lot of fish on the graph on the way in. And, uh, you know, that's where we started. But I think a big misconception is a lot of people will ask me like, Hey, so what you just look for the balls of bait and start fishing. And, uh, the answer is definitely no there. You look for the bass and start fishing. You don't fish until you see bass. You you know, if you start fishing around bait, you could spend all day fishing for shad and not catch anything. But when you start seeing the actual dots, you know, if you're looking at your clear view on the garment or whatever unit and you see Sharpie dots on your graph, those are, those are going to be the bass. They look like Sharpie dots and that's when you start fishing uh, and sometimes they'll sit really close to the bottom and I'll notice especially when you're that deep your fish are going to look different if you idle over fish in 18 feet than they do in 40 you know you're obviously that much more zoomed out so they're not going to be as, as as they're not going to look as clear but you might see like three fish dotted on the bottom in 40 and there could be three hundred and three fish on the bottom <laughs> down there and they're literally just glued to the bottom you get over them and you catch one and then the whole screen lights up um that doesn't always happen but that's the that's the potential of what what could happen
1: go ahead Rob. Do, do you recall that january day that you and i and boyd fish roosevelt i talked about it yesterday um how we grafted for hours that day and then finally josh is like screw it let's just fish here i know there's fish here And as soon as he put the trolling motor down and threw a drop shot down there and caught one, there was fish everywhere. Like those fish were tight on the bottom, ungraphable until you fired the school and we caught them for an hour and a half straight. So it's, I mean, you can't always just idle over them and see them. Totally and, totally and that that type of spot is like the end of a deep point or is it like we were just yeah it, that was kind of an end of a, a deep point but it was just it was fortunate that josh had a little bit of confidence just enough to stop there and fish a little bit because yeah, that's always he, go ahead Nick. no i would say
2: that's kind of like my i have not had Any glory I've had maybe one or two glorious days and of course it was on the boat with you guys doing this. So So as someone who doesn't know it's like how do you visualize like where to even begin this process
1: my my take in the winter is the Fisher. I mean if it's a true winter cold spooning type pattern the Fisher in the bottoms of channels. Okay. I, feel, I feel like as a general rule in my mind that in the summer fish are on tops of stuff and in the winter they're in the bottoms of stuff. That's
0: a great, that's a great outlook, dude. I totally agree. And uh, okay. you know, a lot of these epic days have been even in a flat bay or a, a flat, whatever, but they're just in the gut of it. They're down in the guts in the bottoms in the ditches. Okay. Um, not to say that a good rock pile is not going to still have some fish, not uh, a good edge of a flat or something like that. But I mean, when you, when you have 500, 1,000, like these monster schools of fish, a lot of times they're trying to get into the <clears> deepest gut or channel in an area and just sit there. And yeah. um, they may and feed a few times a day, but they're just more or resting deep.
1: I think yeah. it has less to do with what the bass want to do. It's more to do with what the shad want to do.
0: That makes sense.
1: And just like yesterday with those shad from top to bottom in seventy foot of water, I mean the bottom was the bottom of the channel. So those fish at some or those shad at some point are just going to rest down at that you know down in that bottom, and then they're vulnerable. More well, they're more concentrated, and the bass are you know, right. are more concentrated. Yeah.
2: Yeah. so so then i guess that's really helpful for me and then is it just kind of like a depth range thing like you just kind of know it's like out here it's like yeah, like the <laughs> 50 to 70 is a sweet spot so when you find the bottoms of stuff in that or you know i don't know i'm just trying to Sometimes I've seen yeah
1: i've seen tr- like so saguaro lake when you get up in the end of saguaro you can't find you can't find 70 foot of water. There was a time when we were spooning them and consistently in that 60 to 70 foot depth, which is absolutely insane for a largemouth.
0: That's yeah. Not common, but it's right. a unique scenario. Yep. But,
1: but this scenario just tells me like, you couldn't catch a bass on the end of the lake huh. that didn't go to 70. So it's like the, almost the entire population of bass had got down in the channel and I don't believe it's going to happen this year. I mean, it this was kind of a freak year when this happened, but um like when you drove down the channel or went down the channel to that deep point, to that 70 foot, once it got down to that, that's where all the fish were. It was, it was amazing. Do you remember that, John? Yeah, I do. Yep. And it's just, I mean, that lake, the only, only thing consistent is change in my mind, but that was such a unique thing that was going on. I felt like every fish in the lake had moved to that zone.
2: Yeah. Well, so apologies to 99% of the nation that doesn't
1: have that scenario playing out, but it's super but it could, helpful but, to me. <laughs> yeah, but it could happen. I mean, that could happen on any lake. I mean, there could be a. It might be, a all, feet,
0: yeah, it might be 35 feet, but all a in that same a number. Right. Yep. Right.
1: For sure. Yep. Um,
0: okay. One more no, question. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, please. Josh. No, no, no. Go oh, ahead.
2: Okay. So kind of pivoting back to a flutter spoon sometimes when I think of flutter spoons because it's not you're it's a little different in the fact that you're not just over the top of them you're not like really confident that you know where those fish are Does a flutter spoon get fished more in places that you might throw like a football jig or like something like that sure
0: yeah yeah I mean it's a uh, you know you can fish it on the same place you're fishing a crankbait or a football jig on a structure spot in the middle of the summer and it's really popular for that. Uh, I'd say maybe even more popular than what we're talking about for like these suspended deep fish. So it's a pretty versatile mm-hmm. bait. I mean, a lot of people fish it underneath docks and like dock okay. floating docks where, you know, you got deep water and suspended fish under the dock. It's a pretty versatile bait um, and you could throw oh. it in a lot of different depths. It's a good search bait, like you said, because you're casting it, not just fishing straight below the boat. Um, so and it's that's a good way you- to find them.
2: Kind of what you did on your trip yesterday was that you were on a structure spot and they were casting and
0: throwing a flutter spoon we were in the middle of a big deep ditch and okay there weren't a million fish stacked up straight vertically so we were having to cast it and and fan it around and and you know try Pick to get that s- way smaller groups of fish yep exactly okay um but yeah soon it'll turn into more of the jigging spoon bite that we were talking about a lot and uh it's fun dude i, I love Getting on that spoon bite, and then and the last thing I'll talk about is uh, is how important timing is with that. It's amazing how important timing is with the spoon bite, because one one thing is they don't this we're getting to a time of year where the fish don't eat all day long. You know their metabolism moves a lot slower, so there might only be a small feeding window where the fish get positioned and want to actually eat, and uh, sometimes that's early in the morning. This the particular year Rob's talking about, you had to be out there first thing in the morning to catch those fish. Um, a lot of times I find the afternoons are really good. And I think some of it has to do with the sunlight. You know, I think, you know, they, they can maybe see that flash a little bit better, even though they're so deep when it's really bright sun. Um, but, but I don't know what else it could be, but there's, I remember a year I was on a bite at another Lake Apache and one of the most, one of the best spoon years I've ever had. And uh, one spot was so good for like a month straight. And you could show up at first light and catch nothing until like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And then from then till one, absolutely ballistic. And then after one, they would get up off the bottom and suspend again and you wouldn't catch them. So, uh, And then last year I got on a bite um, in like 30, 35 feet at uh, Roosevelt. And they would only bite from like, three to dark so it's it's kind of unpredictable but it's worth paying attention to especially if you're gonna try to go you get them one day and you try to do it again a week later the day later if you show up to your spot and they don't bite at you know at a different time of day just come back at the at the same time you had previously caught them and there's i think there's a good chance they'll be biting do you guys have you guys noticed this uh, especially you rob like where it's very specific the timing
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, I don't know what makes that happen. I wish I knew what made that happen, but it's almost like, especially like, let's say the afternoon spoonbite at Saguaro, like you can almost see it kind of like coming to. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah. It's first you're,
0: thing and then dead. And then again yes. in the evening, it, it pops, it pops right before dark.
1: Yeah. And you're just like, what is going on when it's not <laughs> happening? And, but it's, I mean, it's just like, it's like you said earlier, it's like schooling fish on the surface. Obviously they don't go all day usually. Um, they have you know time frames and it's kind of the same thing just in a different depth of water
2: that specific visual was helpful too i've never heard it explained like that and it totally clicked i was like oh it's just an it's an underwater boil and right you can see them on this-
1: the you can see them on your electronics i'm sure now with live scope it's even more crazy to see it like um but just with the 2d i mean you could see Basically boils on the bottom. I mean, that sounds silly. That's not the right, but you know what I'm saying. It works. Fish so drinking it's perfect- through the bait
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So it's fun. My You're favorite. Right about- Go ahead. My favorite thing on a graph is when when you have a school down there and you catch one and you look down as you're fighting and there's like from your trolling motor cone, <laughs> from the, the prop of your trolling motor to the bottom of the lake is fish. You know,
0: so sick. It's yeah. it's awesome, dude. Looks yeah. like a cat scratch across your screen, dude. You it's can't right. reel that fish
1: in fast enough to get another. Like you almost Seriously. just want to stop reeling them in and drop another one. You know, it's great. Yeah, it's it's an awesome feeling, man. Yep. yep.
0: Uh, but yeah, something to think about no matter what part of the country you're in, you know, it's a, it's really, really popular around the Ozarks, you know, uh, Tennessee, they do a lot of fishing like this. Um, you know, there's a lot of places where you can fish like this. The one thing is you got to have somewhat, you you can't have really dirty water. You're not going to catch them deep on a spoon if you're in really dirty water, but if you got clear water and the fish go deep, it's a legit way to catch them. And uh man, we've gone deep into the weeds technically. Um, I did want to ask you guys, have you uh have you guys been watching the Squid Games show? I think we're late to the game on this, but good God, it is I, something else. I haven't seen I,
2: it I chickened out, man. I don't do good with like graphic violence. Is it pretty oh, graphic? Yeah, it's horrendous, I dude. I can't it's do it, dude. Freaks me. I would have nightmares. You think it's a bad nightmare if I'm over there putting hooks in my hand to prevent you from fishing with Dustin? Dude, the nightmares I'd have from that, I'd probably be like streaking naked down my street. I can't handle it.
0: Is it good? Is it good TV? It sucks you in, but it is uh, gnarly. We're like four episodes in, and uh, it's an intense show. It's really weird because it's all in uh, a Korean. different language. Yeah, it's in Korean, and uh, they you can either watch it with subtitles or just watch, you know, they have, you know. English. Overdubbing or whatever. Yep. But... You'd think that would drive you crazy, but I mean, they did a pretty good job to where you can handle it. You're just like so locked locked in in and wondering like, what are they going to do these poor people next? It's such a weird show, but I don't know. I guess I'd recommend it. I was just curious if you guys have been watching it on Netflix.
2: Yeah, I got got like a third of the way through the first episode and I don't even think it was a graphic scene, but you know when the guy, when those people catch him in the bathroom because he owes him money. And they like, are they ready? I don't know what they do. Do they like take a tooth out or something? No, they actually
0: didn't do They let them go. But Ah. that's how it started, dude. And without trying to spoil it, like they take, they basically take like 500 people, just like him, who owe extreme debts and and maybe Uh do or don't have a ton to live for. And they offer them an opportunity to play in this game, basically for their life. But if they win, they're going to win, and if they survive, they're going to make enough money to repay to their, their debts job. and have a second chance.
1: <laughs> it's so in dark. Life. Do some <laughs> of them not survive?
0: Oh, dude!
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ninety-nine
2: point eight percent of them. I think I, I don't know dude.
0: what the final tally is, but we're halfway through, and they're dropping like flies, dude. It's unbelievable. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's you should watch it. Check I'm it out. It. Uh, it's 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 a very popular show right now.
2: I'm dude not, just just the trailer on instagram uh, on netflix what it plays and they're playing red light green light and as soon as you move the machine gun starts firing at you so then there's just chaos it's like oh
0: my god like i can't even
2: i can it's get it's like them. kids
0: games they play these kids games so they're
2: simple right there's another oh, one where yeah. they do like tug of war off yep. of a cliff
0: yep <laughs> dude, are you, did you see that or are you guessing that No, I
2: I saw, I saw it enough. (laughs) like, wow, that's not real, dude. So when I I was in Alabama, right, uh, freaking kids are always ahead of everything. And so my, she's my niece, my buddy Pepe, his daughter is, I want to say really is 10 or 11. Dude, she was watching it. So I said, I was like, oh, what are you watching? And it was that, that was that one she's maybe she's 12, but young. And she was just like nonchalant. And I was like, I'm going to go throw up now. <laughs> like, I can't unsee what I just saw. That's my... crazy
0: dude.
2: Scary. So maybe she didn't see the whole series, but that was my first indoctrination to it. And it was like, Oh Lord. Wow. Um, hey, we're wrapping up and, uh, I'm sure there's chaos going on in my house, but uh, I was going to end with this too. It's pretty funny. I saw this on wired to fish and, uh, this is an unofficial but pretty official record how many bass or how many fish do you think you could catch on one soft plastic bait before retiring and getting a new one
0: that what what an
1: awesome uh, deal to do boy is it charlie hartley it's like the same bait for 700 days or something (laughs) it should be dude i think this guy's charlie hartley's homie this is
2: uh um ned uh ned
0: Reed, Reed. keed
2: Reed. <laughs> dude well he invented the
0: ned rig. yeah okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was in the dream inventing the ned rig that everyone was hilarious catching him on. the one we're yeah. catching
0: the boiling fish on ned rig. yeah uh,
2: so he's a he's a hall of fame angler named ned
0: keed oh i don't know i don't even know what to guess i mean i want obviously it's high it was I'm, on I'm a like...
2: finesse worms by uh um
1: it definitely wasn't a cinco. Z man,
2: what <laughs> did so they talk about? Like catching yeah, ten no fish kidding, on a good. cinco. It, catching a... 10 fish on a cinco is like legendary. It wasn't yeah. a cinco. So no. Good job. <laughs>
0: that's. A, uh, I'm gonna guess it's that. Yeah, that's super stretchy plastic. I'm gonna guess yep. he caught a uh, fifty fish on it, dude. Okay, what do you think, Rob? Like a thousand.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, good. That, way, to, way to put <laughs> oh, wow. some effort into that joke, asshole. <laughs> She totally deflated it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad what
0: he says is gonna sound weak. Yeah, well,
2: it was, it, Rob guessed a thousand, but well, it was two hundred and forty-three thousand. No, it wasn't. It was, <laughs> was two hundred and thirty-eight. That's impressive. Still so unreal. Yeah. Very broken-in soft plastic bait. It says, Man, but and wow. that didn't count. So then he he went back out and uh, on nineteen outings and thirty-two hours of fishing. Between August 19th and September 16th, an extraordinary 245 bass, five pumpkin seed sunfish, two bluegills, two green sunfish, and one bullhead. All on one. And this, I've never thrown this bait, but it's going to become my favorite. And if Wally Hardy is listening, he will get a chuckle out of this because it's called the tickler. And I'm going to start throwing the tickler because that's what he calls me for inappropriate reasons. But the Z-Man TRD tickler's is the uh, is the go to if you want to catch 245 bass, five sunfish, two bluegills, two green sunfish and one bullhead. Dude, that's crazy. Wow. How do
1: you not snag it and break it off? <laughs> How pissed would
2: you be if you got to like 174 and you knew you still had a lot of gas left in the tank and you lost it?
0: Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, you have, have to start go over. He sounds like he's <laughs> pond fishing doing that many trips and that and only fishing, you know, 30 hours or something. Sounds pretty cool though. That's a uh, that's an awesome little challenge.
2: So here's another little challenge that we're done that I think I got inspired from our friend who, how many days consecutively did he catch a Charlie, fish? Charlie. Uh, Charlie. 500 probably, or some craziness.
0: I can't remember, but it was so,
2: crazy. So here's my new strategy. Since I'm just as domesticated as an old broken Chihuahua um, and I'm having to get creative with my fishing, what I'm thinking is that I am going to get like a totally – Ridiculous eighty-year-old bamboo fly rod and a seventy-year-old fly reel, and I'm going to become the master. I got inspired by this at your at your kid's birthday party that I went to that you
0: weren't there at. Josh at Manzello, <laughs> yeah, dad. great Dad. I was I was at a tournament <laughs> for my daughter's birthday party. Thanks for making me feel bad again. I forgot about that.
2: <laughs> and I am an amazing friend because I went to said birthday party. Yeah, I did my have friend wasn't even good friends. Yeah, amazing friends. But uh, I did that little that little urban pond was popping there was just life everywhere. I saw a handful of catfish crews in the bank, like for an urban pond that normally has nothing I thought. So my whole point to this is, is that like, I'm going to go for the record personally of fishing. There's like seven ponds like that within 10 minutes of my house how do I not have 90 minutes every day? So the trick is to how to make that interesting. So I'm trying to think it's either using like two pound tests and like, I'm just trying to figure out a way. So if anyone has any ideas, give me, give me something. But I'm thinking like a hundred year old flyer rod (laughs) to try and just like make some type of sport out of it. So I leave you with that.
0: That's cool. Yeah, that's cool, dude. Fishing's fishing and we we love all types of fishing. So that would be a, a fun way to challenge yourself a little bit and just wet a line. Yeah, because
2: like it. my boat dry rots because it's so challenging to create the time. So that's going to be my new goal.
0: Sweet. Well, that's cool. Um, good luck on your hunt, Rob. Thank you. Good luck with your bamboo rod, Nick. And um, <laughs> I'm going to head out to uh, Texas tomorrow to the next cup. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you all next week, guys. Thanks for listening.